Hi, everyone, and welcome to 7 Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher in a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, and I have a master's degree in theology, and the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but whom I'm very excited to speak with. She is one of the editors of the Global Sisters Report with the National Catholic Reporter. It's Gail DeGeorge. Welcome, Gail. Hi, Julia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? All right. I'd be delighted to. Thank you. I, as you said, am the editor of Global Sisters Report. We are, we are a website publication that focuses on Catholic sisters, their ministries, spirituality, and trends in religious life all around the world. I am joined with a team of colleagues uh, throughout the United States and around the world. We have a number of freelancers. And then we, as journalists, we write about sisters, and then sisters also write columns for us. And we have a wonderful network of sisters around the world in the most remote places doing the most amazing things. So I was blessed to, uh, to start and become editor in January 2016. Global Sisters Report actually got started in April 2014. And uh, National Catholic Reporter had recognized the good work that sisters were doing around the world, sought a grant uh, from the Conrad and Hilton Foundation and retained that, that funding to, to start the website. So I joined in January in 2016, as I said, after a long career in business, uh, mostly in economic and, and business journalism, and I taught catechism. And I really wanted to use my journalism skills to serve God uh, in a more meaningful way. And so through a lot of God incidences, as I call them, I was blessed to land this job. And it's not a job. It's really a calling. It really is the most amazing position because every day I am reminded of how these women live out the, the gospel message in just incredible ways. So I, um, I you know, I really am, am humbled uh, every day by the work that they do and the ministries that they do and, and inspired as well. I love that. I love that you're giving a voice to sisters. I think sisters are so mysterious to so many people. We don't really see them that often in our world anymore. And I, I love that you're giving them a voice, especially from a global um, perspective. And we have a lot in common, I think, or maybe not a lot, but with one thing we do have in common is I also have a background in journalism. My, my bachelor's is in media studies from Catholic U, and I've always had it to be a goal to use journalism and media to evangelize, to catechize. So thank you for being here so that we can do this together. That's great. I'll have you in a minute um, read the passage that you picked from us. For us, um, you're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 25. It's a really important and powerful scripture passage. Um, I'm going to have you read it. Which translation um, are you going to be using? Are you using the new? I'm using the one that was on the USCCB website. Okay, great. So whenever you're ready, I'm going to have you read Matthew 25 verses 31 through 46 for us. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him. And he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king shall say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me naked and you clothed me, ill and you cared for me, in prison 
and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, but Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? Then the king shall say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he shall say to those on his left, depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. A stranger and you gave me no welcome. Naked and you gave me no clothing. Ill and in prison and you did not care for me. Then they will say, answer and say, but Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or ill or in prison and did not minister to your needs? He will answer them, amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of the least of the ones you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Okay, such an important passage, and I can't wait to talk to you more about it. I'm going to give a little bit of background for our listeners, just a little context of where this comes in Matthew's gospel. So Matthew, we talked a little bit last season about Matthew as a gospel writer. He was an apostle. He's writing for a Jewish audience, and he adds details onto Mark's gospel, which would have been the first gospel most likely written. And this passage comes in the middle, uh, right after a couple other parables. And even though this it reads as a parable. It's not really a parable. It's it's really about Christ talking about the final judgment and what we need to do in order to be accepted into heaven. And so that's kind of intense, but we believe um, as Catholics that these teachings are the corporal works of mercy and our criteria for what we will be judged on. And just one last thing, the title for this passage is called The Judgment of the Nations. And the nation really refers to both the fact that the Jew, this is criteria for the Jews as as well as Gentiles that are going to be hearing this passage. So it's a little bit of context of where this is coming from, where Matthew is coming from. I don't know, Gail, if you wanted to add on anything about like the background of this or the context of this. Well, it was interesting, Julie, that you pointed that out. It, to me, it's no coincidence that this comes after the parables, especially the parable about the talents, mm-hmm. because it notes, uh, Jesus notes about the, the parable of the talents and how we're called to use our talents. And to me, it seems evident that we are called to use our talents then to, to do as this gospel passage instructs mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Jesus makes it very clear that this is not optional. This is something that we right. are called to do. We must do. And I think it also ties back to an earlier passage in Matthew. Again, I'm no, I'm not the scripture scholar that you are, <laughs> but to, the way I look at it, Jesus is giving us pretty clear instruction on how to live out the greatest commandments, which is cited in Matthew 22 and 36 mm-hmm. to 40. When Jesus is being questioned by the Pharisees, they ask him, one of them asks him, teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he says to the Pharisee, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. So to love your neighbor as yourself is to do what Jesus Mm -hmm. is telling us to do in this passage, Mm -hmm. to feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty, to, you know, give clothing, to, to give of ourselves. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, when you asked me, invited me to be on this podcast, it immediately came to mind. 
because as I mentioned, the, the sisters, the Catholic sisters really are in, in so many ways the live out this gospel passage in Matthew uh, every day. And they are the, the frontline workers, if you would, in the church. They are the people who in the communities, they are the, the often the people that, that come most in contact that the community see. And I am uh, just humbled, as I said, almost every day in the work that we do, uh, the stories that we write as journalists and the columns that the sisters write for us, these messages come to life. So um, just like in, in recent weeks, for instance, I uh, edited a story about sisters helping after the hurricanes that decimated Central America and the typhoons in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So sisters in those countries are helping to provide clean water, food, and shelter. I just finished editing today a story that'll appear next week about Christmas customs and traditions and outreach by, by sister congregations during Christmas and how those are being affected by the coronavirus pandemic. And so throughout this, and we had sampling from Vietnam, Ghana, Nigeria, India, Bolivia, Argentina, and US and elsewhere, the sisters are still finding ways to help. Mm. So, and I think again, the reason that this passage struck me and, and called to me to, to bring it to our, your listeners' attention is that during this pandemic, those of us who are fortunate enough to have jobs and income and shelter and food are being called to help those more directly impacted by the pandemic and, and in unprecedented ways. We have to give like the widow's might, you know, not of our surplus, mm -hmm. but basically from, from our, our own want. We really have to, to reach beyond almost our comfort level, if you would, and mm -hmm. give because we are being called to do this in this time. It's an unprecedented situation to help financially and in other ways as we can. So well said, and you've hit on so much there that I want to talk about and address. Firstly, that you referenced and mentioned the uh, that it, this is so connected to the two parables that come before it, the um, parable of the talents and also of the ten virgins. And I believe mm -hmm. that both of those parables are about being prepared and like those who are ready, like especially the ten the ten virgins, the ones that were ready mm -hmm. with the oil. And then so maybe we that those are more abstract and it's kind of like, well, how are we prepared? Well, then this is the tangible. This is how we need to prepare. And you're mentioning all the work that the sisters do. And again, it's very tangible things. And then finally, for ourselves, too, that yeah, I think it's easy for us to maybe donate and things like that. And it's hard in the pandemic to maybe think of other things, but we should be reaching from I don't know, like tangible things that we can do too. So I wonder if you'd speak a little bit more to that. Like, what do you think some other things that we could be doing to either support the sisters work or to reach from um, our, that, that widows might rather than just the surplus, if you know what I mean? Well, that's a good point. You know, one of the things I'll say is that the sisters, particularly the, the older sisters in the U.S. And, and elsewhere are finding it hard during this pandemic because they mm -hmm. are so used to volunteering, you know, to, to being out there and doing something. And unfortunately, because of they are in this vulnerable group, many of them cannot do what they normally would want to go do. Mm -hmm. Yet they're still finding ways to help. I mean, we have had stories about how sisters donated their their stimulus checks completely. And, and I know, wow. again, that not to break, but, but I did the same. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just said, you know, I do not need this money. I gave it away. And that, you know, and that's, you know, I think that's one of the things that we're, we're called to do. Uh, food pantries are, are being just inundated with requests, particularly before Christmas, because there's been a, a lot of confluence of events, but they're, they're the demand by people who've never had to turn before for assistance 
and they're having to, to ask for help. So the sisters are finding ways to help. And if they can't actually physically, they're getting, you know, associates and, and lay people to, to, uh, to actually do the distribution, but they're definitely you know, still funding and still helping. And so how can we help? Again, obviously, you know, with the sisters to donate to the charities and the sister-run charities, you know that if you donate to a sister-run charity, it will be, the money will be well used. <laughs> Conrad and Hilton uh, was a, a very astute businessman. And, and in his will, he noted, you know, when he donated the, 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 with the foundation, he said, you know, that the sisters give, uh, essentially, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially his point was that, you know, he knew uh, that the sisters would use their their finances, their resources wisely. And mm -hmm. so you will get a uh, hundred, you know, $101 out of every, you know, hundred dollars you give or whatever, the sister will give it more than. Um, the other thing though, Julianne, I wanted to point this out too, um, that, you know, sisters don't just give so often. And again, I'm guilty of this. You know, we write a check and we send it off. Mm -hmm. I try to say a prayer now when I write that check, you know, when I send it off, that it'd be blessing to someone else. These are things I've learned really just in the last few years I've been associated with Global Sisters Report because they really are helping me to be a better Catholic, be a better Christian. But the other, the sisters also talk about the importance of accompaniment. And it's also a favorite theme of Pope Francis. So in our very, very busy world, our normally busy world, you know, people have an innate need to be listened to. Mm -hmm. And so often when I've talked to sisters in disaster zones and such, you know, they, you know, they're Red Cross workers and there's big, you know, NGOs that come in. And, and so the sisters, like even in Fukushima, I remember talking to sisters after the Fukushima disaster and, and I said, well, what were you doing? And they said, you know, mostly we were listening. Mm -hmm. You know, we were, we were accompanying people, people who needed to talk. You know, the sisters had the time so that people could tell their story of tragedy and have their grief validated and listened to. So um, recently I worked with one of our, our freelancers on an extensive story about sisters who minister the Navajo Nation. And that area in the U.S. is under strict lockdown. Um, and that's increased this isolation in an area where there are great distances already, right, between people. So, but the sisters are reaching out through phones, texts, Facebook, Zoom, however <laughs> they can. And they spoke universally of spending a lot more time mm -hmm. talking with people to break this isolation that so many of us are, are in during this pandemic. So what can we do? I mean, what about taking that time to talk mm -hmm. with someone who you haven't talked to for a while, you know, or, or not being in such a hurry when someone reaches out to you and, and is lonely, you know, and feeling isolated. Um, you know, again, before, you know, when I was out in, in the DC area, I split my time between South Florida and the Washington DC area. And again, something I learned more from the sisters is that if I would give money to someone on the streets, and again, I know there's a back and forth on whether or not you do that, but when I did, I did try to like look them in the eye, ask mm -hmm. their name, talk to them a bit, validate them as a person. And that I think is what's one of the things that's also really important. Absolutely. I, I Again, you hit on so many important things there, but something that we can all do and that it's amazing that the sisters are doing right now is is that listening and that time i think we all often think that we have to give all this money and, and money is great and and you know please send money to the sisters because as you said they they actually use the money to do good things um but i think that we think it has to be complicated or a grand gesture and with the pandemic we're not able to physically maybe go to the places that we want to go but that time and that listening because if we can hear people's stories then we start to shift our mind and then these other things that is in this gospel passage maybe can happen 
So I kind of want to bring it back to the gospel passage when I'm teaching this to my students. Um, Cause the kids always want to know, like, how do I get into heaven? And like, well, I'm like, this is kind of, this is laying it out for us. And then I asked them like, do you think this is reasonable? Like, do you think this is a reasonable criteria for us to get into to heaven? So I don't know. I'll, I think I'll put you on the spot and ask you the same question. What do you think about this as our criteria to, to get into heaven? What do you, think you, about know, I, you know, you know, again, I don't, the one thing about this passage that, that stops me a bit is this idea of God as judge. You know, mm-hmm. I think we do have a more mm-hmm. loving God than this mm-hmm. passage, you know, might convey. And so that's the one thing that makes me a little uncomfortable with mm-hmm. it. But, but that said, I'm going to focus on the doing. I'm going to, I'm not going to focus so much on the, the those that don't. Okay. I'm okay. going to focus on those that do. And yes, to answer your question, I don't know if it gets me into heaven, if we would ride, you know, the whole idea about acts versus, you know, do I get into heaven by or grace? Uh, you know, that's beyond me. But, uh, but, but I think we, uh, by, I think we are called to use our gifts, our talents to serve God, help others and make the world a better place. I mean, I think that it is, it is that complicated and that simple in, in and of itself. And you know, one of the things too that I was thinking about this is when I mentioned about accompaniment, about listening, that passage doesn't say, you know, so I needed to talk and, and you listened, but it's a it's a dichotomy. So I think that you could, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a parallel structure. So I think you could insert other mm-hmm. more modern needs mm-hmm. into that passage, you know, and, and have it be the ministry that is needed at that time, mm-hmm. you know? So, so I think Jesus is opening up you know, a, 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 a baseline for us, you know, with, with just basic needs, you know, food, shelter, water, uh, visiting those imprisoned. Um, but, but we certainly can and should be adding in our modern world, you know, those elements that are necessary and in, in, in part of our times. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that I taught recently um, to my students the precepts of the church, and there's five, and one of them is to just provide for the needs of the church, just that simply. So I think you're right. I think we can insert other things. These are certainly, I feel like, needs that I'm sure your sisters see are still, from Jesus's time on, always needs in the world. But I think there are certainly other, maybe more modern needs that we can insert um, in, in this as well. And then all uh, this connects back to what you mentioned earlier on about the basic commandment of just loving our neighbor and loving God with our whole heart. And so these certainly help us to do that. You know, I think if we are doing these things, we are also loving our neighbor and loving God with our whole heart. And I think to look at these, not as like a checklist is like, yes, I've done this. Yes, I've done that. Like the judgment piece, but these are works of mercy. And so um, I wonder if you could maybe speak a little bit to your understanding of of mercy, because I think that that's a concept that we struggle with me personally, I think that our world maybe needs a better understanding of is like, what does it mean to have mercy? Well, Pope Francis is a wonderful example of that. Right. He preaches, you know, talks about this often, you know, about the, the mercy and the sisters talk about it. And I think it's one of those things that we need to continue to, to pray on and, and to, and to pray about and to, and to, to, to incorporate into our approach, you know, to be merciful, first of all, to, you know, so often we can be judgmental, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I can't do it. You know, sometimes I'll see someone on the street and, you know, they're smoking. So it's like, well, why should I give someone money if they're smoking? So mm-hmm. I, I instantly I've made a judgment, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, sometimes I think we need to just to step out of that role of judge 
and to just come from that place of love, you know, mm -hmm. that Jesus loves us. The other point, you know, and this is a little more abstract perhaps, but I think this passage in some way also relates to our responsibility, again, credit to Pope Francis for reminding us of this, about the care for creation. Mm -hmm. You know, this, uh, you know, the idea that we need to, to be good stewards of the earth, you know, that we, we are not treating our neighbor well, you know, and, and treating our neighbor as ourselves if we misuse the resources and the beautiful planet that mm -hmm. has been given to us to be good stewards of. So I think that, it, you know, it can relate on that level as well. Um, so, and again, the, you know, Pope Francis has called us, you know, this, this idea of fraternity that to be, to be, you know, in, in, in together, you know, with, with others, um, to reach beyond our differences and find those common points. And again, this is what this passage is, is challenging us to do. All of us need food. All of us need clean water. All of us need, you know, shelter at some point, you know, and, and clothing. So, so again, these are the basic human right. needs that we're being called to, to meet, to meet. Right. And to connect this back to what we were talking about earlier. And if we were inserting things like when someone needs to be heard to listen, mm -hmm. then I feel like that is such an act of mercy and, and that's where it starts. We can, we can start to have more mercy for, for people if we hear their stories. I think we make those snap, exactly. they, we make those snap judgments because we haven't heard their story. I like how you shared about, I also lived in DC for a while when I was at Catholic U and a little bit after. Um, and I did the same thing as you. I learned that the homeless, it means so much more if you can have a conversation with them, look them in the eye, um, maybe right. say, can I buy you something to eat instead of just mm -hmm. throwing money at them. Um, so that encounter, and then we have those encounters and all of these things, the, the feeding, the hungry, clothing, the naked, those, those should be an encounter. It's not just writing a check like you said earlier. And when, right. it's, and when it is that encounter, then we start to be more merciful because we know the story. Um, right. I don't know if you wanted to... I'm, well, I'm sure the sisters know, do this. <laughs> they do, you know, and but yeah. Julia, we can also do it. You know, I've again, I've learned this in, in everyday life. Again, with one of the sisters who I work with, we were in uh, St. Louis, uh, I think, for a conference and we were on the street. And again, she did the same thing rather than, you know, giving money to a young woman who asked us for money, we bought her something to eat. And, um, you know, Sister Michelle was asked her her name and chatted with her for a bit. And, and again, so that it is that encounter, but you know, we can do this in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. We can do this with the supermarket clerk. We can do this with the, you know, again, it's a little harder now in a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we're kind of in and out of the grocery store as fast as we can, and yeah. we're trying to limit our contact with people and whatever, but, mm -hmm. you know, but to the degree that we are able to, uh, we can seek out these, these places of encounter. I mean, it's the, it's the, you know, the common thing about, or the, we all think about buying, you know, the meal for the person in, behind you or in front of you rather in the, in the fast food lane or something. Again, so you can look for those places where you can make a difference in someone's life. And it doesn't have to be necessarily someone who's, you know, homeless on the street. You know, not right. all of us are in places where you encounter, but you know, but if you're in a, a drive-through and you can help someone in the in the car ahead of you, you know, but you know that that is a way to help as well. Um, Absolutely. So look for those opportunities. Right, and again, inserting maybe the whatever the need is. Um, you mm -hmm. know, can, can I fill that need, and and have that encounter? And yeah, we have the added challenge right now to, with how can we also do that safely. <laughs> but um, right. but I think that you're right. I think so much. Um, I see a lot like on Facebook. I don't know if you're on social media and things like that. Yeah. But if we were to approach 
those interactions and encounters with a little bit more mercy um, mm -hmm. and, re and remember this passage because this passage, what strikes me is what we're doing, when we're doing these things, we're not just doing it for that person, but we're doing it for the Christ in them. And so, um, you know, maybe thinking of that would maybe stop me from writing that comment or making that gossip, that gossipy remark um, if I mm -hmm. thought about the Christ in that person. So I think that's the other piece of this passage too is, yes, we need to provide for the needs of humanity, but but because we see Christ in that person. So I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think that it is the, the Christ, we see Christ in that person and Christ in all of us, mm -hmm. you know, that the Christ recognized that they recognize the Christ within me, that I'd be Christ for someone else, mm -hmm. you know? So that's the other the passage, you know, that I not only see the Christ in them, but but they recognize that the Christ is the Christ that is within me mm -hmm. and that I'm answering that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a big, you know, it's a tall order. We don't, you know, we fall short, <laughs> I fall short every day, you know, but, but, you know, again, it's okay. You know, God, you know, Jesus gives us many, we're given many opportunities every day is a new day to, you know, to, to, uh, to strive to, to meet those and they, those, those requests or those opportunities again, to meet those opportunities, I think is the word we use. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's about an, our intention. I think, you know, if our mm -hmm. intentions are good, because also if we approach this and we're just, like I said, looking this at as a checklist, then that's not necessarily the right intention too. We need to be thinking of this as encounter, as meeting the Christ within people. Um, so I think if we're trying to do that, we're never going to be perfect. <laughs> but if our intention is is good, that's what Christ, that's what God looks at and will judge us and consider. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what else would you like to say about this passage? Is there anything else you'd like to, to add here about why you picked it or about how the sisters live it or... Else well, again, it? you know, it's, I think that, um, you know, again, it's not, it's not a checklist. Um, mm -hmm. And it, I think, but, but again, I think the, to remember prayer, I think that's the, one of the things that, that, you know, sisters are not NGOs. So they'll be the first to say that they, you don't have to be a Catholic sister to do what they do. And one of the things that we're reminded of at Global Sisters Report is that we, we sometimes are chided at times because we focus a lot on the ministries and what the sisters do. Mm -hmm. But it's also the way that they do it. Mm -hmm. It's that they stay with something. You know, they often will stay. The NGOs will come in and then move on. But the sisters will stay in a community, be part of a community, uh, look for what the community is asking for help. So um, it's not, you know, it's they look to also not just, you know, give a person a fish, but help teach someone to fish. You know, right. they're, that they're definitely in that, you know, that that mindset. Uh, so what I think that, again, it's one of those those points where, when we are, as you say, in those points of encounter that we remember to just, you know, sit, pray to the Holy Spirit for guidance, you know, for, you know, just, just ask for that quick, simple internal prayer that helps us be better, you know, Christians to, to, to again, help that Christ light shine for, for us. Uh, I think that's what one of the things that makes the difference with the sisters, that they, they are that Christ light for so many, whether they're Christians or not. You know, again, the sisters in India and in the passage I was editing today talked about how, you know, many of the people that they minister to are Muslim, you know, mm -hmm. or other, other faiths. But that doesn't matter. You know, they basically look for opportunities to serve and, and that's what's important to them. Absolutely. And just meeting, meeting the needs of the community yes. and, and, and filling that. Um, I think that's a really good point. I think that all of our action, these actions need to be met with that intention and that prayer and the sisters, I'm sure certainly do that. Um, I lived in a religious community for a short time. I discerned religious life. I was a postulant with the daughters of St. Paul and I can mm -hmm. speak to that 
yes, it was a lot of prayer, <laughs> getting up really early and doing the liturgy, the hours. And I knew that when I was signing up for it, you know, that life ultimately wasn't for me, but um, I'm grateful for that time because I was able to cultivate such a prayer life that I can, you know, take with me now. So I think that's a good point too, that whatever we do, whatever actions we um, were, were partaking in, we should be accompanying that with prayer. Yeah. So great. Well, thank you so much. At the end of the podcast, I like to give people an opportunity to plug websites, plug social media, um, where we can check out and learn more about your organization. So where can we we find you? What would you like us to, to look up? Well, I just have you go to globalsistersreport.org. Uh, that's on the, you know, on the, on the internet. Uh, you could find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. So take a look at our website. We have a wonderful array of of offerings, uh, you know, again, stories that we write about the sisters and store and columns and spiritual insights that the sisters write for us. And I promise you that you will come away more enriched, more inspired, more at peace, because in all the cacophony of mm-hmm. news and information and bad news out there, uh, you will find a lot of good news stories. Uh, in in Global Sisters Report now and again the sisters will be the first to tell you they're not superman you know they're not superhuman they do what they do with the grace of God and so it's something that we can all aspire to you know and, and I think that's that's one of the things that I come away from is that uh, I'm a better person you know for for having read and and been inspired by by what the sisters do and how they pray and how they approach things you know with the thoughtfulness the contemplation that they incorporate in their daily lives you know that time of not just talking to god but listening to god you know listening to that still small voice that speaks to us so i you know again i'd encourage uh encourage you to you know, your listeners to to check it out and uh you know you'll like I said, come away inspired and is there anywhere if we wanted to uh support the sisters work financially is there a place that we would go to to do that is that on the website as well? There's a couple of websites. Uh, we don't do that ourselves, but okay. there's uh, Sisters Rising is a website that's based out of Minneapolis, but they have a lot of uh, projects that sisters are uh, supporting. So Sisters Rising is one I would point to. Um, and then if there are sisters in your community, uh, you know, there are many times you could just Google and find out. Uh, and we do have many times readers will write about, read about a, a sister's mm-hmm. uh, charity. And then what we do is we put them in touch with, and, and often there's a link, you know, to the sister's website. So if they want to donate that they can. So for instance, after the Navajo story, several readers mm-hmm. reached out and said that they wanted to help. Awesome. So, well, thank you. And um, if anyone wants to chat with me about scripture, you can find me on Instagram at Seven Mile Chats. I also have a Twitter account, which is more for my education stuff, but you can uh, tweet me at Miss Struckley One, M S S T R U K E L Y One, and talk to me about scripture there. But Gail, thank you so much for being here and taking the time to talk about your organization and to talk about this passage with me. Great. Thank you so much, Lou. We really appreciate being on. Thank you. And bye, everyone. 